everybody, it's Tony Robbins, the Tony Robbins Podcast. I'm real excited to be with you today because you can see this is a little different podcast. <laughs> What's different about it is, you know, I've had the privilege of working with some of the greatest athletes in history, and I've been to some of the most amazing fights, both boxing and UFC. Uh, this last January, I got to work with Conor McGregor, which was a great privilege, and watch him win the fight in the first 40 seconds and all the electricity of that, but also the beauty of sportsmanship, of watching Conor go over there and, and hug his opponent you know, afterwards and sincere and acknowledge his grandmother, who was cowboy, his opponent's uh, greatest influence. So sports can bring out the best in us or the worst in us. It depends on our character. And uh, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of amazing athletes over the time and during their tough times and during some of their best times. But I, when people see boxing or UFC, I think a lot of times they think it's just ruffians, people just beating up on each other, and they don't understand the discipline involved in boxing or martial arts. You know, the boxing's often called you know, the, the sweet sport. It's a, it's a combination of skill sets and intellect. It isn't just physical force. And the greatest in history are the ones that can combine their psychology, their spirit, their soul, and that physical body to produce extraordinary results. And I think. We all need to be able to face our fears and move forward. So I thought in the middle of this kind of COVID environment, it might be nice to visit you know, ringside with a legend. And I'm here with an unbelievable legend, the only man to be a four times world boxing champion, Evander Holyfield. Thank you, brother, for taking the time to visit with us. Thank you. Now, we were talking just before we started about interviews. I said, how many interviews you've done over your life? And you, would you share what you shared with me? I was like, here's this incredibly powerful man. And what was it like in the beginning? Well, it was the most scary thing. It was harder than the fight, you know, just to guess what this person may ask me and yeah. can I answer properly. Yes. And how, did, and how did you learn to deal with that over the years? You built, obviously, to now it doesn't bother you, but what did it take to get there? Because I, I heard it really was tough on you in the beginning. Well, you know, it's this thing, you, knowing that if you make a mistake, you know, you know that you made one. Yeah. People make mistakes, but repetition is what makes people better. Yes. Well, that's true in fighting or in life. So listen, tell us a little bit about your childhood a little bit, if we could start there, because you started fighting when you were like seven years old, if I understand correctly. Is that right? Or eight well, when you were in the box? I started at eight years old. I, what, what happened, I was coming from the football field, and, yeah. I, and, and I seen the guy hitting his speed back. So I, I want to go there and ask. I said, sir, can I hit the speed back? And, and, and the man looked at me and said, no. I said, why? He said, because you have to be on the boxing team. I said, well, sir, I want to be on the boxing team. He said, no. So the next day I asked him, he said, no. And then the next day he said, no. <laughs> on, on the fourth day, I looked at him. He looked at me and I turned my head and, and start walking the other way. He turned his back and I ran up there. <laughs> and I asked him again. Oh, that's and awesome. And he said, yeah. Wow. I come in there. Tell us a little about who influenced your life the most, not only in boxing, but in life. My mom. Yeah. My, my mom was, my, my mom actually by everything, you know, that got me started. Yeah. If, if it wasn't for my mother, you know, uh, I don't tell him where I would have been. Yeah. I was so touched. At, Eight years old, is that when the guy said you think he could be world champion? Yes. And you were at the boys club? Yep. Tell us that story, and then tell us what, what you said to the man when he said you could be world champion. Well, the, the man told me I could be the heavyweight champ of the world. And he said, uh, At eight what, years old? Yeah, eight years old. He said, what you think? I said, I gotta ask my mama. And he looked and he said, you, you don't want to be the heavyweight champ? I said, but I got to ask my mama. He said, what are they talking about? I said, 
if I don't ask my mama, I can't even try. You know, my mom said, no, that's it. That's right. You know, and so, uh, you know, and, and that's when the man looked at me and said, you got a good mom. And so you did ask your mom. Did you I, ask her that night? I sure did. And what'd she well, say? You know, I asked my mom, and, and this is how it was. You know, we had the little house, and, you know, everybody in the front room looking at TV. So when I come in, they looked at me, and they said, where you going? I said, I got to ask mom. I said, what you going to ask mom? So if they're trying to find out if I'm in trouble or not, because I'm in trouble, they know they may get a little piece of that. And I guess- Because <laughs> they're so, older, they should be looking yeah, out for you, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I go in there, and I start trying to tell my mama what this man was trying to tell me. And so my mama kind of talked real loud. She said, what you say? I said, mama, this white man at the boys' level said, I can be the heavyweight champ of the world. And my mom, my mom looked, she looked at them. When she get that look, I got to step back because she may swing. <laughs> so she's, Did you become a great boxer? <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 yeah I'm, I'm telling her I got to get them hands up there quick. Because <laughs> always go for the head. She never go to the butt. Always to the head. And so, and, and so what, what happened, my mom said, do you know what they're going to do to you? So I just acted like I didn't. I, I said, no, man, they're going to hit you. And I looked at her and I started laughing because all my brothers and sisters hit me. I get three weapons a day. And now, I'm accustomed to getting hit. <laughs> so, so, you know, getting hit ain't nothing new. And so my mom said, well, you can't hit them back. And she said, yeah, you can do it. Like that. And I remember going in the bathroom, looking in the mirror and saying, Evander Holyfield, heavyweight champ of the world. So when I went back and told, told my coach, my mama said I could be the heavyweight champion. And he said, what, what? And then, you know, coach, here I am, I'm 65 pounds. I'm telling my coach, my mama said I could be the heavyweight champion of the world. But what was the advice she gave you? She gave you three pieces of advice that you've repeated your whole life. Listen, follow direction, don't quit. How important has that been in your life? That, that still goes on today. Yeah. Because things still get tough. Of course. And you, and you had to not quit. Now, you're 58 years old, and one of the reasons I'm here is I know you're, you're in the best shape of your life. You look like you're 25, and you want to you wanna fight with Mike Tyson again. There were pretty legendary fights in those 90s that you guys had. The history you guys have is amazing, and what I love about both of you is you're both such incredibly intense competitors, and you tease and taunt each other, but you really do have a friendship as well. Tell me what you respect about Mike Tyson. Well, you know, this guy's here is a lot bigger, but Mike Arnold was shorter than everybody's. Yeah, and, and he still he destroyed was, them all. Them, he hit the birds and all this, and I seen him fighting guys six five, six six, and you know, and, and he get a little pickaboo style and and get in there. And he was like a like a rattlesnake, man. He, he get them so fast and all that. Yeah. All of a sudden, I realized I see if he can do it, I could do it. So, so he I, actually was a role model for you at one stage. Well, well yeah, because because you're is, older than him, right? No, yeah, I'm four years old. I'm four years older than him, mm -hmm. but. I'm telling you, he got in there, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he got the first opportunity. He, he beat these guys, and I said, you know, if Mike can do it, I can do it. I said, I said, ain't no, now, I became the Cruiserweight champion. When I came to Cruiserweight champion, I thought that was great when I beat the white, the white mom and Quaweed on my, on my 12th professional fight. Went 15 rounds, lost 15 pounds, and all this. Wow. And all of a sudden, after I came to Undisputed Cruiserweight Champion, then the thing was is that, phew, 
might get $2 million a fight. I get $200,000 a fight. <laughs> so I go ask the Go ask the Showtime people, yeah. what's it different? They said, well, well, Mike, the heavyweight champion of the world. I said, Sh I said uh, how much you give me as I move up the heavyweight? They said, <laughs> they said you know, Mike going to kill you, man. I said, no, -uh. no. I said, Sh I said, we sparred before. Yeah. Like that. And, and all of a sudden, when that time came, the whole big thing was, all right, you beat all these games. So, they, so the avenue we took, it was to fight all the people that might fall. Yep. And I saw it getting them guys. And so your confidence and, built even more then? You no, know my confidence built, but the decision that I made, I could, I could stay comfortable and just be the cruiserweight champion right. and make that 200,000, or I could be heavyweight champion of the world and make some millions. Right. You want to fight Mike today, why? Mike Tyson, why do you want to go back and have that fight? Well, wait, the, the thing is, it's competition. You know, the thing in competition, that my whole thing is that, now, I only want to do it if he want to do it. Yeah, if he wants to do it, Because yeah. the, the fact of the matter is that, you know, it's, it would be fun because both people know how good we are. Yes. The whole and, world knows how good both okay. you are. <laughs> and then, then people want to know, okay, then, even at this old age, who, who would get the best? Yeah. And so the, the point of the matter, you know what? I don't think that Tyson and I can get in the ring and not think about who the best. That's and right. I know it's not one time in my life I'm going to go in, there, in the ring with nobody that I ain't thinking I'm going to get the best. Yeah. And now I got to sit with you now. Now I really want to fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike has, has talked about, he's talked publicly about, of all the fighters he ever went, that you're one of the toughest he's ever experienced. Lennox Lewis said that. But I mean, you look at the top four fighters, you know, heavyweights, they've all talked about how tough you are. Where does that toughness come from? My mom. I, you know, I'm saying, you know, all this stuff started at a young age. When your parent wants you to be better than them, they start telling you things. Mm. I'm talking about, if they never tell you these things, then how can you be better than them? Yeah. You're going to be better if your parents start telling you, look, you don't need to make these mistakes that I make. You're going to be a lot farther. And, yeah. and, and, and that's what my mama did. And the first thing was that tongue. She said, all right, now, you know, she said, my tongue, I can control my tongue. She says, you know what? I was a fool. And she said, let me tell you what a fool do. Fool don't get promoted. And that's all I did. My whole life got promoted because I was able to mm -hmm. shut that mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and your mama, you talk about the, you know, the sacrifice. Your mama, you know, you want to go that prom so bad. Tell people a story about that and what you did instead and how it shaped your life. Well, well you know, I had, had to go to Canada, Quebec, Canada, and had to fight. And I was mad. I, and I win the tournament. And I was still when, instead of going to the prom, though, right? Instead of yeah. going to prom, yeah, yeah. And and I remember that everybody said, "You missed your prom, man. You missed it." And then here it is, and in 1987, yeah. And I'm a champion of the world. <laughs> and, and and everybody said, "Man, you ain't coming out the room." I said, "No, cause my mama told me if you learn to, you the talent." If you mingle with these people, you're gonna, you're gonna lose. Yeah. But you stand here, and when they have to go to, and when it come Monday, they gotta go to work. 
You got two weeks old. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you had to, you had to, you're looking for your advantages that, that what you have. She said, okay, you know. I don't think your mom was great at getting you to see what you had instead of what you didn't have. Right. And I exactly. think most people, it's like I always tell people, what's wrong is always available, so is what's right. Mm -hmm. And your mama really guided that. What an amazing gift that your mom has been in your life. What would she be most proud of in you today? Well, I'm telling you, you know, my mama, you know, my mama, all the awards that my mama got, once I became the champion of the world and cruise away from 1986 to 1996, she get all these awards because you know, everybody said, I said, I said, not my mom. I said, I, I said, I'm telling you, I wouldn't have been here. I said, I said, for all the things, I said, I said, but one thing that I realized, my mama didn't play. When my mama said, zip it up, see me now, not later. <laughs> I said, Kofi, if you did, you get it right then and there. I said, now, I've been slapped in this mouth and got soap put in this mouth because of things I said. I said, one time, I ain't want it no more. I don't like the taste of soap. <laughs> <laughs> I've had those experiences too. My mama shaped me too, brother. She really did. She was an intense character. But you look at it and it's like what you think you want your mama to be versus what God gives you, always something greater. There's always some lesson in there. And if she'd been the mama I thought I wanted her to be, I wouldn't be the man I'm proud to be either. So. Mama's out there, we, we honor you and send love to you, and dad's out there too that decide to give your all for your kids. That's what the life's really about, man. And you're such a beautiful example of that. And thank you. You know, I grew up totally poor too. And um, I, a few years ago, I went and interviewed 50 billionaires, self-made, nobody from the Lucky Sperm Club, all guys that earned it on their own from the very beginning. And I wanted to learn from them because I wanted to help people because most people don't understand finance and most people don't get trained in it. And I watched so many athletes, so many entertainers, singers, writers, directors, actors, lose everything. And you went through that experience. It's horrific. Yeah, sure did. You gave up your 54,000 square foot mansion. You lost it all, half a billion. What'd you learn from that? Because I, I see it happen to boxers today and athletes today. What'd you learn from that experience? And, and what, what could you tell somebody who's younger today so they can avoid not have to go through the pain you've had to go through? And how did you make it through it? Because most people just be devastated, but you just kept going. You didn't give up. Well, you know, uh... So that's, that's the point of being thankful for where you came from. Yeah. You know, I came from nothing. Mm. And so, so if a person came from nothing, they know they got there yeah. because of what they did. Yeah. So the whole big thing, if I don't quit striving for and but, you know, one of the big part is forgive. You got to forgive yourself because you don't want to let them do this to you. Mm. Now, you know, hey, you know, you can sit here and blame, I can't believe these people did this. Well... You, if, if you can't believe it, then you probably still have your money. But you, you got to believe it because you ain't got the money. <laughs> yeah. You lost your, you lost everything because you believe they did what they did. Yeah. Now you got to forgive them, and you got to make some adjustments. And yeah. I made a lot of adjustments, and 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 it's, it's a part of life because this is what. So you saw it as your mistakes to allow them to do it to you, as opposed to, I'm a victim, yep. they did this to me, so my life is over. You just like yep. picked it up and said, I learned from this shit and I'm gonna move on? Well, that, and how I, did you forgive? I forgot, because that's a part of love. You think you love somebody, you can't forgive nobody, you really don't love them. So yeah. You're just telling yourself a story, uh, you, know, you know. You have to forgive to be able to be able to make adjustment 
to be able to receive when somebody else. All of a sudden, you, you get yourself to a point where that you don't trust nobody, then anytime somebody trying to help you, you, you got that eye on them. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and, and all of a sudden, you, you make the situation hard, and the person says, well, I try to help them. God, no, you know, hey, it, somebody don't scare them to death, so he don't take no chances, so I can't work with him. Yeah, yeah. People today are so afraid to take chances. I mean, if you've been in business for any period of time, 10, 20, 30 years, you've got people to steal from you, and it's just part of the process of you learning not to leave the candy store open and blame them, right, for right. a child coming and taking it. I, I really respect you for doing that, but how did you build back from that time, though? I mean, to go from half a billion to literally nothing, part of it was just your history that, you know, I grew up dead poor, too, so it's like, okay, I've been here before, so I can build again? What was the mindset? What are, the mindset is that, you know, God is not finished. Mm. You, when, when people go through something hard because something great is coming. Yeah, I believe it. I'm God's like, delays are not God's denials, right? It's a part of life. If, if you know, I, I, I think about if I was a kid and, I, and when my mama kept just telling me, and I just, you know, everybody that I knew that was young, that was my age and all that, Everybody were doing everything for them, and they were grinning, they were laughing, they were smiling, they were going to the prom and all yeah. this and stuff. And I was like, you know, I started feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. So I still got that same picture that I showed to my son. I said, see this picture? Well, Daddy, you don't look like you happy. I said, well, I'm happy now. I said, but I'm trying to tell you. It's a decision, some things I'm going to tell you you can't do. And you probably gonna be looking just like this. <laughs> I said, but I said, but at the end, I said, look how happy I am. He, he wasn't happy that I said, yeah. I said, but that's just a moment. Yeah. I said, but I said, what, what kind of man you want to be? I said, now your kids want to go this, and I said, look. I said, why do y'all think that y'all got this great education? I said, you know what? It didn't cost me nothing for education. It cost me $15,000 a year for y'all to go, go to this school, this early education and all this. I said, but I'm happy to do it. I said, because you won't have to cry like me, wondering why, because my mama had to come and give me my first whooping in school because this guy said, told me, you want, you're not smart. And when he told me that, and I punched him right in the doggone eye. And my mama came and gave me a whooping in the school, and I had to apologize to the teachers and the student. Wow. Right? My mama said, you don't hit nobody. So it's, it's a profession. It's not something you just go use randomly. Oh, right. You know, but you know, I, I said, mama, but he would talk. And he said, so if you're talking, you want somebody to come knock the daylights out of you? Now, why didn't you hit the big guy then? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. You got a temple, but you won't hit the big guy. You're going to hit the little guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Literally, you got the body of a 25-year-old. Certainly, you're 60, almost 60. You know, you could be 40, and <laughs> you'd be in better shape than most 40-year-olds. It's, it's amazing. Tell us a little bit about your training, like this discipline of persisting and this pushing yourself that you've always done your whole life, pushing beyond what anybody could imagine. How much of a role those two things played in your life and your success? Well, the, the big thing was, you know, at a young age, my mom would tell us, if you don't break nothing, you don't have to fix nothing. Mm. So don't go tearing stuff up. You know, you don't get no bad habits, so you don't have to cease nothing. Yeah. And so the whole big thing, and I, I, fortunately, you know, you know, I don't think it was great being poor, but, but you know, a lot of time when you're poor, 
people, people don't give you chances. Yeah. And so the whole big thing is that so you have to hang out with somebody like you. And my mama would not let me hang out with people who cursed and they did all these things. So I ended up becoming better because I was sitting there by myself all the time because the people who lived a better life didn't want to hang out with me. And but the people, the people that had a rough life thought I thought I thought I was better than them. When you look at your career, what what stands out for you as the most fulfilling aspect of being a fighter all these years? Well, making the Olympic team, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so representing I, America. Yeah, you know, but you know, you know, because we was amateurs, and so everybody wanted to be, who wanted to be one of them, twelve members who were gonna make the Olympic team, and uh, and I think I was the last guy that made the Olympic team. Yeah. And. You know, it was kind of scary because I was actually fighting the amateur world champion. This guy named Ricky Womack, he had beat the Cuban, he had beat the Russian. So the two people who wasn't coming to to uh, the Olympics in 84 was uh, the Russian and the Cuban. Yeah. But this guy that named Ricky Womack had beat them already. Mm. And he was a reigning amateur world champion. Mm. So to get to L.A., I had to beat him. Wow. Twice, and I did. Wow. Yeah. That must have felt incredible. Oh, well, well, it did. You know, because I remember uh, Howard Cosell was telling me, he said, Evander Holyfield, what kind of chance you think you have with Ricky Wonderful Womack? And, and I said, well, uh, did he make the Pan American team? And he tell his people, and they, they looked through the paper, and they said, well, he lost against Evander Holyfield. Then so... He grabbed the paper, he looked at the paper, and he said, well, one thing Ricky that Womack hadn't done, he never lost a fight back to back. And he said that to me, I said, I haven't either. That's awesome. You know, it's, it's just a positive thing that yeah. you have to realize. So how, how important is that psychological part of this game? How important is your psyche and that sense of certainty going into a fight and also keeping that certainty when somebody maybe stuns you or they get they land something. That's like about ninety percent of the whole fight. How you think? Yeah, the whole thing of not quitting, the whole thing of yeah. having the certainty you can beat them still. Well, you know, I'm being in great shape. A person can be in great shape, but he can get hit one time, then all of a sudden it's a mind change. Yeah, he he can almost give it up. Tyson's famous for that quote where he says, everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the face. Well, you're, you're, <laughs> right? you're right, you're right. And the whole thing changes <laughs> in that moment, right? Yeah. Um, you're a very spiritual man. You're a beautiful soul. One of the reasons I want to meet you is everybody I've ever talked to about you said, yeah, he's an unbelievable fighter, but he's, he's an incredible man. And I know um, the fighting for you, there's almost a spiritual side from fighting for you. Tell me what that means to you when going into a fight and what, it, what it's about, and both in the preparation side of it as well as the fight itself. Well, it is... It's the same fight that the word God say, I let my son die for you where you can believe. And so if you keep believing, eventually you're going to start winning. Yeah. And, you know, because as a kid. How do you I, keep believing if you aren't winning in the beginning? Because not well, everybody does in the beginning. Right? Well, well, it's, it, only thing I could tell people as a kid, I was the youngest one. And my brother didn't let me win anything. And I would tell my mama, I said, Mom, they don't never let me win. Said, my mama, they don't supposed to. And I just, you know, I, so I'm the only kid that was the youngest of the family that went winning nothing until I went to the boys club. When mm -hmm. I got to the boys club, I was six years old. 
our ability the kids that were eight because, because my mama didn't make no adjustment yeah. for me and all that and let me know that if you want something, you really have to work hard. Yes. And so, but if you just give everything to kids, kids never going to say, okay, don't give me no more. <laughs> they're going to keep on, keep on letting me win. <laughs> yeah. Then all of a sudden you're going to be. And then they're weak. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that would tend to happen. What do you think about this society that we've become where parents today give kids trophies for participating? <laughs> they haven't done anything. They're not disciplined themselves. They're not fun. They're, and it's like everybody deserves a trophy today. How do you feel about that philosophy? And you're a father of 11, right? Is right. it six girls, five boys? Is that what yep. you? Yeah, it so, is. So uh, what's your philosophy with your kids? And what, what do you think of this philosophy? Everybody gets a trophy no matter what for participating. Well, I, I think that even though they may get an award, but it's the parent's job to let them know, okay, then, but well, what did you do? And, yeah. and, and so, so we're kids, you know, people ain't going to reject now. If, now, Seth Henson, I didn't even know this as a kid. I would go to the fight. I would go to the fight, and, and I was hoping my guy didn't show up. <laughs> I didn't want my guy to show up where I wouldn't have to. Because I know if I go to the fight, I'm, I'm going to eat, and I'm going to do this. So all these things come with the fight. Yeah. You're having fun, but the, the rough part, just fight. I was hoping my guy didn't show up, <laughs> and he showed up every time. <laughs> I, bet they, I bet afterwards they wish they hadn't shown up. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking, the thing is, is that you won, but you still had to go through that, and yeah. which gave you even more confidence that you could do it again. Yeah. I said, every fight kind of felt like the first fight. You're like, you say you grow, but I still feel the same mm. because the intensity get greater and greater. Yeah. Like that. How do you keep increasing your intensity over the decades? Well, I, I, because, you know, that's repetition mm. make you better. Yeah. I'm thinking, even if you think you ain't getting better, if you practice, you get better. Yes. Repetition is the key to mastery of anything. But if you keep, keep doing it, you start at a different level, start at a different level, and you just keep growing from there. Is that the essence uh, of it? Yeah, because, you know, you don't forget nothing, you keep practicing. And that's just like, if you stop asking, then you may not want it anymore. Mm. And you stop asking. Yeah. If you keep asking, that lets you know you still want it. And that hunger. Where is that hunger coming from you that you still have at 58 years old, the hunger that gets you to, you know, you're doing two a days at 58 years old and you don't even have a fight you need to prepare for. Where does that hunger come from? So every person I've ever met who is extraordinary in business and finance and entertainment, the one thing they have is this hunger that is insatiable and you clearly have it, not by what you say, but by the way you live. Where does that hunger come from for you? Well, I think that everybody, every that anything that you love, it got a hunger and so you'll know by the, the love that you have, this is the reason why, you know, somebody may try to be like you, and it's hard, and it's a joy for you to do it, it's easy. Yeah. I'm like, you know. Because you when, love it. Yeah, because you love it. And so that same thing, getting up early in the morning and stuff like this, I, you know, I get up four o'clock in the morning. I get up and I, I read this word and all this to prepare me for what the day may be. Yeah. You know, the, there's so many people that want a better life, but they don't do anything about it. And it's like very oftentimes they even make a decision to do it. But to me, the thing they're missing is the rituals. Like you've got rituals that you have drove in and you just don't break them. Like 4 a.m., most people's idea get them at 4 a.m. I, I go to bed at 4 or 5. I have a different time zone than you do. Yeah, yeah. But the same kind of discipline that like you know what you do, you give it every single time. How important are rituals to being the best in the world at something? 
Well, uh, they're very important because it, it starts by habits. Yeah. Now, all habits not bad. Right. I'm telling you, a good habit will allow you to succeed when you're not even trying to. Yeah. I'm about to end a bad habit. You know, you fell in when you don't even know you fell in. Yeah. Like that. So this is the reason why you have parents. What are your top two or three habits that throughout your life have caused you to keep growing and succeeding? Uh, you know, I, I think the love that, that that I have for the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. And, and, mom, and my mama told me, my mama said, all right, now, you, boy, you better stop calling. You know, anything happened to me when I was a kid, I was Mama, mama, you know, I was crying all this. My, I thought my mama can save me for anything. My mom said, let me tell you something, boy. You better start calling Jesus, boy. <laughs> and, then, so, and so the first time I know that Jesus worked, when my mama was whooping me and I called Jesus don't hurt. And my mama, stop. <laughs> so, which is the first That's time. a miracle all by itself oh, from what you told me. That, that was hand then. The first time I lost a fight, and and this kid beat me, and they uh, he, and they Cecil Collin. And how old were you? I I was eleven. Eleven, wow. Then he beat me when I was twelve. You still remember his name? And you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the same guy, that same guy, after I beat Mike Tyson the first time, when I you know he stopped boxing, he stopped boxing at thirteen. When I beat him, I finally beat him at thirteen. Okay. And and only it took way you I, two years to beat him. Huh? I, no, no. Only way I beat him, I called Jesus. Please, Jesus, help me beat him. Help me. I, you know, because I only did everything to try to beat him two times, and he don't beat me two times. <laughs> and like so, I called Jesus, and I fought him. I win this fight. So he didn't fight no more. In 1996, when I come home, I walk in the house. And I see this white guy sitting there. And I go, Cecil Collin. And everybody said, Shoot, you still remember him? I said, How can you forget the first white guy that beat you twice? <laughs> I said, I, I, I said, I said, man, I said, you didn't grow. I said, I'm talking about he's still about five, 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 six. Yeah. Weigh about 147 pounds. Wow. And still, he still had, has hair the same way, just hanging in his eye. Like this, but I remember, that's how I was when he beat me. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when two fighters both call on Jesus? Yeah, well, well, you know. It, it Say, comes, Jesus gave me the strength. What, what happens well, well, then? See, the same, that's, that's how it was when it was me and George Foreman. Mm. And everybody mentioned, oh, you know. George is a Christian too. Yeah. And I said, who God gonna go for? I said, well, have George been a heavyweight ch champ before? They said, yeah. I said, okay, then he had his turn. It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I said, that's it. <laughs> I'm like, after you know, I ain't to get mad about it. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, I, I want to get in the ring here with you because it seems like that's the right place. And uh, we can spend a little time. I know you're going to show me a few moves, but I just want to ask you questions in the ring because I notice people, you know, you give answers differently sitting in a chair than when you're in what you love, right? Okay. So, yeah. so can we pop in there? Sure. Show me a few things. Oh, okay. Make me look like I know something. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure everybody knows something. They wouldn't be getting it there. <laughs> okay, you got it, champ. Let's do it. All right. All right. Okay, well, this is a moment I didn't think I was going to have. I got a Vander Hallfield putting boxing gloves on me here. <laughs> Thank you, brother. The day that changed Tony's life and career. So you got that, you got one on a ready bowl hand. 
Ready to the one to have the big old hands like that. Oh, yeah? Get him my extra glove. You're going to push off the right leg. Okay. Boom. Yep. Turn it over. Turn it over. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Okay. I'm pushing still. Okay, got it. You like, you like where you have your hand at right here. Boom. Boom. Yeah. See how hard that is? Now, one, two, boom, boom. Then when you give it right hand, and only when you shift that weight cause the left leg go like this, that means you bring it all the way. So I'm shift, I'm, I'm forward, forward, and then I'm coming back across. Yep. Oh, you need to start with the right. leg. Oh, you feel the difference? Yeah. Wow. So he's saying, but you know, if he pushed like this, you go, Knock him slap out. Because he's going to come. All the shots in here. So only thing that you got to get back on balance is your left wing. Mm. And oh. <laughs> That's the reason the left hand is so important. That's the most important thing, your lead hand. Like this, because if he get to, if he get past that left hand, even though you hit him hard, you're going to kill him with this one. That's awesome, thank you. Yeah, yeah, man. That's awesome, I appreciate it. <laughs> you, brought, you not only brought great boxing, what I love about you, man, is that you just, you got such a beautiful heart. I know you send, you know, I know you're a strong Christian, and mm -hmm. regardless of what his religious belief is, you, you live your faith. Right. And uh, um, Sandy was telling me that you send out every morning, like 4 a.m., you send out another piece from the Bible to like three or 400 people. Is that well, true? Yeah, yeah, I sure do. I'm like, but this that's is That's your what, mission, man. It seems well, like it's your mission. that, you know, I feel that if, so you have to be thankful for what he gave you. Yes. And now I see a lot of people that just like yourself speak real well. And I said, man, no, I didn't get that gift. Then I start thinking about, you have to be happy with what you got. Yeah. I'm saying, and this is how things, this is how you get a little bit more. That's right. And you had to, you had to be thankful and happy for yeah. what you have. Yes. Yeah. So you kind of, you, part of your philosophy is to live in a beautiful state then, right? To yeah. live in a happy state, a appreciative state, a grateful state. So how do you balance that out with killing somebody? Because <laughs> you know, a lot of people when they think of boxing, they don't understand the level of discipline. They don't understand the art. They don't understand that there's a set of combinations here, there's patterns here, and there's thinking here, and there's an art here. You know, it's been called the sweet science boxing, right? Or even martial arts, you know, because I work a lot of, of, of warriors, I call them, right? Boxers, athletes, UFC guys. And the level of discipline is insane. Mike, you know, I've done an interview with him recently, and Mike's talked about how he was kind of, he was forced in the game, you know? He was shaped by people that he feels didn't really look out for him. They turned him into a killer and he doesn't want to be a killer. And so it's like he's gone through this transition in his life of hating that part of himself that got honed, but you gotta be able to destroy somebody. But you seem to just be able to destroy him in the ring and still love on him afterwards, it seems well, like. The fact is... How do you do that? How do you balance that? Well, it's that discipline shift. You know, like, so the thing is, is the fact is that you've taken a chance. So life is taking a chance. Yes. You know, often it's, it's almost like walking in faith. You know, you you got you got to feed your family. Yes. So you know, you go find a great job where you could feed your family. Yes. And so consistently, somebody else wants your job. Yes. And then everybody competing for jobs. Yes. And so you know, you, your job just as important as my job because you got the, you got a family. You got to, you got to feed. That's right. And so, and this is what life is really about. And but. They got the enemy. The enemy try to you, 
look at look at people's skin color, they height, do why he got the job, I didn't have the job, and yeah. the And then and and you know, God made people. And when he made people, made everybody the same. And they just got different colors. And and but yeah. the devil's job is to divide the conquer. Yeah. To make you hate this person. If you hate this person and you get somebody on your side, maybe y'all can take advantage of this person. But the fact of the matter, if you do the right thing, then the right thing gonna happen for you. So what's your advice now to the kids that you talk with? Because you've lived a, such a full life, right? What do you try to steer them to when you get a chance to influence them? And right. you have, what, 11 children yourself, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many boys, how many girls? I have six boys, five girls. Okay. <laughs> you got yeah. your hands full, well, 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 you know, the fact of the matter, you know, in, in the, is when anybody said there ain't no good men's out there, I said, no, you, you're telling the story. Now, I put six out there. Ain't no good women. I put five out there. You know, that's how everybody. You know, and, but that's how you have to look at life. You yes. Know? What's your philosophy as a father? What do you try to instill in your children well, that you've learned? What, what I have learned is love is the key. I'm successful because I found something that I love. Yes. Now, my mama wanted me to find something that I love, not yes. something that you like, because you can like a lot of things, and that's yeah. the reason you may not become successful. Yes. But you find something that you love, you're going to be successful. Yes. Because love is, that's what love is all. God is love. I'm, I'm right. with you, brother. Yeah, I agree with yeah, a million, yeah, million percent on yeah, that one, man. That's yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. So what, what's one of the fights in your career? You've had so many. What's one that stands out? Because today, you know, I talk to people about the best story of humanity is the comeback story, right? Because mm-hmm. anybody can succeed or get lucky, but being taken to your knees like COVID has done to so many people, mm-hmm. I said, you know, the comeback story, that's one that excites every human being. It's the Rocky story, right? It's the guy comes back and they push through it all and they get better than they were before, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's, what's been the comeback story for you? What's been one of the tough ones for you that you're proud that you've been able to come back from? Well, well. Is there a particular fight that sticks yeah, out? I, I, you know, I, I have lost 11 times. Mm-hmm. But you know, but in the fact that the time that I lost, it was time where that, of a time where that I actually kind of went farther than I should because, you know, I knew my shoulders hurt, but mm-hmm. the guys that I was fighting, I thought I could beat them even hurt. Oh, God. I was saying, you know, that pride kick in there, yeah. and you have done, I have done things like that, and, you know, so people said, then why you ain't telling nobody? I said, well, because it's my fault. I, I shouldn't have did that. Why would, and you know, with me, just at the end of my career, I started fighting guys that were smaller than me. Yeah. And I thought I could beat them even though I was injured. Right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to sit. I yeah. sit there and I go. So what do you do after that? What do you do after you've disappointed yourself and you, because everybody does this at time, mm-hmm. right? And I always tell people, it's like success is always the other side of frustration, the other side of rejection, the other side of failure, right? It's like the ability to push through it. So when you come back from one of those, do you think of one that was really rough? How do you get yourself back, you know, back to your top, back to your peak again? Well, the thing, the thing is, uh, you, you have to justify that, hey, this is what I've done. This is what I've done wrong. So you own, you own what you messed that, up on. That's right. So then you know what to fix. I say that's instead of blaming the other guy. Yeah, that's that's it. Cause you know what? Come, yeah. that's what somebody come. That's your fault, man. That's the other person's fault. You have to be, you got to be committed to know that you you did this to you. And so, what does boxing mean to you? What does it mean to be a, a to be a boxer in your mind? Like you know, some people think boxing is just this brutal you know sport. You obviously don't look at it that way. What what is boxing really? What does it mean to be a boxer? Well, well, well. I, I guess anybody, when you think you can, you can, you can kind of think in a way that you want. But it, it's a, it's a love to me. Yeah. This is something that I found out. You know, 
What, what do you love about it? Well, what, the competition mm -hmm. and 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 God gave me just as much strength as He gave everybody else. Yeah. And now it's who who able who who is able to to make the adjustment they need to make. I'm like, Buddy, fail as a boxer in your mind? Because you've seen a lot of guys fail who were strong, you know, had a lot of will. What makes a boxer the boxer that doesn't make it? He quit. I'm sorry, trying to say he quit on himself. Mm. Life is about don't quit on yourself. And but if you hadn't been taught that, then you get to saying, you know what? This ain't this ain't for me. Yeah. Because this guy, people get embarrassed if they lose. Yeah. You think about my mama told me, she said, all right now, she you sit here and and you know that all these people come to see you. You know they come to see you to win. And but you got something come to see you lose. They can't wait to that day that you gon' that you gonna lose. See, son, you never lose if you don't quit. Mm. Give your best. Mm. I'm telling you, the point of the matter, you, your best is you gave your best. Yeah. And say, you know, all right, you didn't win it, but the other guy. Yeah. You beat. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. So what's your what's kind of like your mission now? Like what 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 excites you? What are you passionate about this stage of life? Well, you know. Just inspiring young people, mm. you know, because you know, yeah. I'm coach, you know, I I have done what I have done, and so ain't nobody chasing older people trying to be like older people. Yeah, you know I'm saying because I remember when I was a kid, and you know, this this left side for the young people and that side for the old people. And then look over there, man. <laughs> hey, I, I wasn't trying to be like them. Yeah. I'm trying to be like this, speak like this, but it's the older people who have to have confidence and, and the wisdom and, and, and come back and tell the young people how to help them. Yeah. Now, I would never have been who I am if the, these older people didn't help me. I'm like, you know, I remember at the boys club, when the first time I went to boys club, I was six years old, and is that the first time you fought? Six, seven? No, no, no. I was, I, my first fight was when I turned nine. Turned nine. Oh my but gosh! When I was six years old, when I was six years old, we walked to the boys club. We walked about three or four miles to the boys club. Yeah. And so now, when we get there, my friend didn't tell me it cost a quarter. Oh, wow. If they would have told me it cost a quarter, I would never went. Yeah. So, you know, we walked three miles. Yeah. All the way to this boys club and found out when I get up there, they had cards and they scratched their number off and they left me up there. And, and, and the lady named Miss Hawkins, who was white, and she said, uh, are you a member? I didn't know what member was. Do you have a card? And I go, no, ma'am. She said, well, you're not a member. I said, well, oh, well, okay. And she said, do you have a quarter which shocked me? I said, a quarter? I'm thinking, I get nickels. I don't yeah. get quarter. Yeah. And so, so after that, she said, where you live? And I told her, by the stadium. So she knew that three miles. She said, that's a long way. She said, I said, I can walk. She said, no, 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 no. And she turned around and she reached in her brazier and got me a hot, Quarter. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and this is how, this is what changed my life. Wow. Because if I. The kindness of just one yeah, woman who's seen yeah, this little boy. If I never would have went to that boys club, I'd never would have been the person who I am. Well, I was, at, I was at the boys club practically till I was 21 years old. Wow. How yeah. often during the day when you're not in school, how often would you be there? Well, you know, you know when, school, when school get out at 3 o'clock. 
Yeah. Then I leave and go to the boys club. When I get from the boys club, it's nine o'clock. When I get home, it's time to get in the bed. So you'd spend five, six hours at the boys club. Yeah. And, wow. And the thing was, my mom was, my mom was telling me, she said, see, now, now you got a house in the ghetto, but you don't live in the ghetto. Oh, that that's beautiful. Sense. What so a beautiful thought. That's I, gorgeous, I, man. So, so it let me know that if I didn't have this time with these people who were trying to correct people and trying to put people in great position, I wouldn't be who I am. Yeah. What, uh, who were one of your first mentors or coaches uh, like, who was the man who originally said you could be champion of the world? And, and what, did, what did you learn from him? Well, but Carter Margaret, Carter Margaret, he was older. And, and you know, and he, when he see me hit that bed, and he, he And you're bleeding me. and you kept hitting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he go, and he tell his son, he said, oh, this guy going to be the champion. And, you know, you know. Of how, the world, when you're eight hey, years old. He's how come, hey, he said, this guy going to be the champion. And his son, his son didn't say nothing. Then all of a sudden, and you know, so when he passed at 16, and, and his son, so he tell his son, you know, because you know, they knew he was going to pass, and he told his son, you need to go over there and all that. And his son came over there, and his son seen me hit that bag when I was 16. I went 139 when I was 16. Wow. And, and he seen me hit this bag. And then, oh my goodness, Daddy would talk on right. God, dog, I would wonder how in the world are you gonna be crazy about this kid here? When, you know, even like like we played they son, his son them in football. Yes. His daddy would sit on our side. And he said, Well, your band are gonna run by two or three touchdowns on you. And I run two or three touchdowns too. <laughs> Did you really? He said, he said, oh my gosh. He said, he said, Y'all kids are smart, and these kids here train hard. Wow. Like that, so you know, so so he, but he was, but this man, he paid for everything that I ever did. Wow. I actually thought boxing was for free because wow. he paid for everything. Wow. Then all of a sudden, you know, when I, then all of a sudden, one day the people told me, say, you know, boxing ain't free. He said, your coach paid for everything. He told us to take care of you and all this. And I, and I realized, I said, wow, I, yeah, I am thinking that boxing the only thing that you can just go free enough. And I, and I found that you have to pay for all the tournaments. Yeah. And But that man, that man took care of me. Wow. Like that. And, and see, but, but this is a reason why I do give. Because yeah. I realized, I said, he didn't have to get it. I wasn't his, I wasn't his kid. But yeah. he made sure that everything was right for me. When you look at your life today, what are you most grateful for? Well, I'm 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 thankful. When, you know, number one thing is Jesus. Yeah. And second thing is Jesus, my mom. You <laughs> know, <laughs> I did. You know, and going out on that third, and I think about my coach Carter Morgan. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Well, um, if you, uh, I'm going to see Mike. Are you? And know, what, what does knowing that God in charge do for you in terms of giving you? peace or giving you strength, like how does it affect you knowing that God is in charge? You still got to do your part, right? Mm -hmm, right. But the fact that God's in charge, what does that do for your psyche? Well, it, it, it let me know that he always, because he already telling me, I'm not going to forsake you. Mm -hmm. So you got to know that he's not going to forsake you. That means that he Even if it looks like it in the short term. I think he's going to give you another chance. Yeah. Uh, well, God, if you don't quit, he'll give you another chance. Yeah, that's beautiful. Amanda, you're a beautiful soul. And uh, I'm so grateful to get to spend a little time with you here and, and really feel who you are. Because everybody knows who you are, you know, as a boxer, you're a legend. But as a man, you're a legend as well. Yeah, thank and you. And I, I, 
I know that your mother has to be one happy, grateful human being to see what her boy became and who he continues to become. Such a giver, such a lover, so distant and so driven, and a man who's constantly contributing and pushing himself. I think that those are values that we all can value for ourselves. If we did, our whole world will get better because we get better. We got more to give, don't we? Exactly. It's pretty beautiful. Thank you, brother. Bye-bye. And thanks you for the little lesson here. <laughs> <laughs>